had a baby on Friday. So we have a baby girl. So Becky is doing great. Our little girl, Colin, she is doing absolutely great. So great. In fact, they discharged us yesterday. So mom and baby, they are at home. And what an incredible, incredible experience. And if you were to ask me, Brian, what was it like? I would give you one story, right? And I'm not going to tell you on stage. But I would give you one story of what it's like going through labor and delivery. If you ask my wife, do you think she would give you a slightly different version of that story? Yes. She most certainly would. Now, now, here's what I want you to catch. Even though we were, we were both there, we were both in, in some ways participating, two very different perspectives. And we would tell that story in very different ways. We're going through the Christmas story, and I mentioned it last week, that, man, you have probably heard a lot of the, the parts or the pieces of the Christmas story. But here's what I want you to pay attention to. If you have your Bibles, head over to Luke. Head over to Luke. And if you were to do a little bit of a study on the different the different pieces of the Christmas story throughout the Gospels, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would notice there are different parts of the story in different Gospels. For example, Matthew, who did we talk about last week? Who did we look at last week? The Magi, the wise men. That story, that account is told in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, if you head over to Luke, you're not going to find the Magi in, in Luke's in his perspective, in his writing, in his telling of the birth of Jesus. Instead, as we're going to look at this morning, he talks about the shepherds. If you go to back to Matthew, you would, of course, see the wise men story that we looked at, but you're not going to see the angels and, and the shepherds in there. If you were to go to the book in the, the Gospel of Mark, you're not going to find any of that. If you go over to the Gospel of John, you're going to hear about Jesus' birth, but in a very different way, a very, very, like, almost prophetic, very image-driven, very symbolic and poetic. And I'll get questions a lot as far as, well, well Pastor, why is that? Why is there... Is there something wrong? Why, why does Matthew say this and Luke says this and Mark doesn't say anything and John tells it like this? It's because you have different people writing the account. You have me telling one version of Colin's birth and you have Becky telling another one. Both are very true. Both are very accurate. But we're talking to different audiences. We're, we saw it through different eyes. It's interesting. If you studied the gospel of Matthew, Matthew was actually, if you remember some of the stories throughout the gospel, Matthew, also known as Levi, was a tax collector. Matthew was the tax collector that Jesus walked up to and said, follow me. And here was like this, one of the lowest of lows, Matthew, Levi, a tax collector, asked by Jesus himself to come follow him. And so Matthew follows, becomes an apostle, but one of his disciples, and then he writes the account of what we would call the gospel of Matthew. Now, Matthew focuses on, on really talking to the Jews, and he spends his gospel really trying to per persuade and, and give an account for Jesus as the Messiah. That Jesus is, is the Son of God. He's the promise. He was the prophecy that everybody in, in the Jews would have known about. So that's why he really focuses on the Magi, because the Magi were aware of the prophecies like we talked about last week. Now Luke, on the other hand, is a different guy. Wasn't an apostle, but he was a historian. And even as he, we find out, he was a, a doctor. He also wrote the book of Acts that we see after the Gospels. And here Luke has a different bend. He has a different focus. Luke is focusing on the humanity of Jesus. He's wanting all the Gentiles, Gentiles, anybody that's a non-Jew, and what we understand is that he was a Greek, so he would be writing to people like him. And so as we're going to see, that would be why he included the shepherd's story, but not necessarily the Magi. He's saying, hey, this is for all people. Just like the angels came and presented the good news to the shepherds in the fields, he's saying this this Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the good news is for everyone. So even though you get two different gospels that kind of give the story in two different ways, it's interesting to see why they tell this story the way that they do. All very true, 
but we get very specific stories from each of them. So as I said, we're going to look at the story of the shepherds. So I brought my shepherds out of my manger or my uh, nativity scene this morning. So they're going to help tell the story. I have three. We don't know how many shepherds, obviously, like the wise men, but we know that there was a bunch of shepherds in a field nearby. So Luke chapter two, we're going to look at their story. Before we do, I need you to write down six words for me. So in your worship guide or on your phone, someplace that you would be willing to take a few notes, I want you to write down these six words. I'm going to put them up on the screen for you. Terrified, all, thing, hurried, told, and returned. Six words. You can just write them however you want. You don't have to take notes, but I want you to pay attention as we go through the shepherd's story. Pay close attention to those six words. Terrified, all, thing, hurried, told, and returned. And what I want you to kind of focus on with those six words is we want to ask the question, how do we get joy? What does it mean to have joy? What does it mean to get joy? What does it mean to to continually keep joy instead of having it stolen away? We all know Christmas is a joyful time, but it is also a difficult time. We have a lot of memories that get brought up of not so great years and not so great memories. And, And for some of us, it is full of holiday cheer. For others of us, it's depressing and we just can't wait for January to get here. So what does it look like to get, keep, and hold on and even pursue joy, not just in the holiday season, but throughout our lives, regardless of what life throws at us, regardless of the ups and downs? And so these six words are going to help us know what to do with joy, how to get it, how to hang on to it. So be looking for those words. If you see them in your Bible, I'd encourage you to circle and make some notes in there. Here we go. The shepherd's story told by Luke, chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were what? Terrified. I would be too. (laughs) They were terrified. Verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great what? Great joy. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So pause there for a moment. Let Let me set up shepherds. Because the shepherds that we might think in our head, or the, the shepherds that you think of when you think children's church or the shepherds that you read about in like kids' storybooks, very different to culturally the shepherds that, that these angels would have appeared to. Shepherds were a rough and tough crowd. They, they, were, they were rough guys. They were the cowboys of that culture. They were outcasts socially. Even from a religious standpoint, they would have been deemed unclean. So there was a lot they were not allowed to participate in. A lot of the festivals that required you to be clean religiously, they would have been excluded from. So here they are in a field nearby, Scripture says. So they're just kind of out on their own, which is the life that they would have been used to. Socially outcasted, religiously outcasted on the fringe of society, rough and tough guys. Now, it says here that they were, that they were terrified. I want to put this in perspective. Here's... Here's the shepherds, the way that David described. You know, King David, we read about in the Old Testament. He was also a shepherd. You don't have to turn there, but let me read this. This is how David described himself as a shepherd to King Saul. David's about to fight Goliath, you know, the Philistines, David and Goliath, the, the whole deal. He describes himself as a shepherd when Saul says, you're just a shepherd boy. There's no way you could defeat this Philistine. Look at how David describes himself as a shepherd. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 says, but David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. So we know he's a shepherd, and here's how he describes himself as a shepherd. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. What does that tell you about a shepherd? I'm just telling you, if if I happened to be a shepherd, and a lion or a bear came after and took one of my sheep, I'd say, 
It's all yours. I got a bunch over here. That one's all yours. You can have it. No, David says, as a shepherd, I'm a shepherd, that I went after it. I didn't just chase it down. He says, I struck it and rescued the sheep from its what? Its mouth. So you got to picture this shepherd, right? I mean, picture more of a cowboy than a shepherd in your head. And this bear or lion comes and takes one of your sheep. And you look at that bear and you said, no, you didn't. I've got my shepherds. And you take off after that bear. And the bear's like, he's actually chasing me. And you chase after this bear. And you begin to beat that bear with your shepherd stick. And then you pry that sheep out of its mouth. Is that the shepherd you grew up thinking about in Sunday school? No. No. He says, when it turned on me, because bears don't like it when you chase after them and beat them in the head with a stick. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, and I struck it, and I killed it. I mean, that is a shepherd according to Scripture. And these are the shepherds that are in the field nearby that we like to put in our little nativity scene that don't look like they would chase after bears. I need to put cowboy hats on these guys instead. That's what a shepherd was. Now it says that these rough, tough guys were in the field, apparently chasing down and killing lions and bears. And in this moment, these angels appear. And what was the word, your first word? Terrified. They were terrified. What, what would have to happen for a, a person who's not afraid to chase after a bear or a lion? What would it take for them to be terrified? I mean, that kind of puts this whole angel appearing suddenly thing a little bit more in perspective. If they were not afraid of chasing down a bear or a lion, yet they were terrified, not just nervous, they were terrified when these angels appeared. That tells us about the event that they were, that they were part of. I mean, this was not just a, I mean, the hallelujah chorus that we tend to think of. I mean, this was a terrifying event for some of the roughest, toughest guys, culturally speaking. They were terrified. I was telling you a little bit about Luke, the author of the gospel, Luke. And as I told you, he's a physician, a doctor, very detailed in his writing throughout the gospel. He does a lot of dialogue. If you're to continue to read through his gospel, you see a lot of he said, she said, this back and forth dialogue. And I do find it interesting. I want to point this out, that when uh, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the radiance of the Lord surrounded him. He did not quote what the shepherd said. All he said was they were terrified. And I, I have to believe these rough, tough, fringe of society guys said a lot of things that the author of this gospel did not feel comfortable writing for the Bible. So I think there was a lot of explicitives that got edited out. And he just said, you know, generally they just were terrified. So gives you an idea of who the shepherds were. Says that they were terrified. But now this is an interesting connection. They were terrified, but then the angel, it says, reassured them, says, do not be afraid, for I bring you great news that will bring what? Joy. Usually we don't see terrified and joy in the same paragraph, do we? If something is terrifying, we usually don't say, don't worry, it's going to be great. If it's terrifying and I am afraid, usually I'm not thinking, well, that's okay. It's going to bring great joy to all people here in a little bit. Usually we do not connect those two words of being terrified, but also bringing joy. But here's why. We know the rest of the story, but the shepherds at this point don't. So they have to take the angel's word for it. But in our own lives, we're talking about how do we get joy? How do we keep joy? How do we hang on to joy in tough, terrifying moments? We got to look to James. James chapter one, you've probably heard this portion of scripture numerous times. James tells us this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I would include terrifying crisis as one of those trials of many kinds. 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. He's going to see there's a process that happens here. It produces perseverance. Let your perseverance finish, it work, finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete, not lacking in anything. But if you do lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So James here kind of sets up this progression where, hey, consider it pure joy. Even in a terrifying moment, in a difficult moment, in a moment you disagree with, in a moment that's hurtful or harmful. Hey, you know what? Consider those moments joyful. He doesn't say happy. We'll get to that. He's not saying be happy about it. He's not saying smile about it. He's not saying don't worry about it. He's saying consider it joy. In other words, choose joy. That's we're going to say it is a choice. Choose joy joy. Here's why. Because it produces things. It puts you along this path, this process where you gain perseverance. And that leads to, what was that word? Maturity. Maturity where you're complete. You're not lacking in anything and you have wisdom. It's a growth process. In the church world, we call that discipleship. We consider all of these things, these life events, we consider them joy because of what it does in us and to us, how God uses that to mold us and shape us. God doesn't necessarily cause the event all the time, but sometimes he's just saying, hey, consider it joy because of what's going to happen at the end of it, because of what it will produce in you and through you. The best way for me to describe this is, is what we see in our kids' lives, what you saw in your life growing up, the growth that you went through, the process by which you grew in your life. For example, several years ago, one of the first times that we took Connor, my oldest, who's now four, to see Santa, this was the experience that we had. Yeah, great. I mean, I tried so hard to put Connor right on Santa's lap. And as you can tell, I mean, it was just like, no, it was whatever I have to do. He would say to get out of this picture. I mean, he is, he would literally have jumped in the fireplace if I wasn't there. He would have chosen burning by fire versus sitting on Santa's lap. Wanted to have nothing to do with him. And he was just over a year old at that point. So super young was just absolutely terrified. That's probably what those rough and tough shepherds look like. Terrified of sitting on Santa's lap. Now, let me fast forward a few years. I told you he's now four. This is just a few weeks ago when we went and saw Santa and Cole was with us this time. Look at that. I mean, minus the rain boots. Don't worry about the rain boots. My, hat, my kids have a thing with rain boots for some reason. But he's got his rain boots on and he is sitting on Santa's lap. And, and away from me, I'm on the other side, but he's actually sitting on Santa's lap and he's smiling. Now, what could possibly happen in my son's life from a few years ago to, to now? What possibly could have happened that allowed him to be terrified at one point and now he's, I would say that's happy. I'd say that's joy. He's having a great time. He told me all about it afterwards and I'm still hearing all about the moment he got to tell Santa what he wanted for Christmas. A lot changed in the last few years. What changed? Well, he's more mature now. He's a little bit more developed now. He's gained some understanding. He's learned a lot since then. See, we all go through a growth process physically, but we also go through a growth process spiritually. And to get to the point where you can say, you know what, this used to terrify me, but you know what, I can, I can take some joy in it. That's spiritual maturity. And it is a difficult, difficult journey to get there. And we never fully arrive, but to, to get to a place where like James, we can say, you know what? I'm absolutely terrified. I absolutely don't like this situation. However, I will consider it pure joy because of where it's going to lead me. I want to take one more note of what the end of this passage in James says. It says, if you do lack wisdom, in other words, man, you're not at that, that, that mature spot yet, which like I said, we don't arrive, 
to that place. We, we slowly get there. But if you're not there yet and you get in these situations that are terrifying and fearful and, and cause you to be very anxious, look what James tells us to do. Well, if you do lack that maturity, if you do lack the wisdom, well, here's what you do. Ask God. Say, God, you've got to help me on this one. I don't have a clue how this is going to work out well. I cannot possibly fathom how this terrifying event is going to lead to something joyful. God, you're going to have to just take care of it for me. I don't see it. And James tells us that he'll give it generously to all who ask. Terrified. The shepherds. If anybody was not to be terrified, it would have been the shepherds. And they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said, no, no. I've got some some joyful news for you. It's going to bring great joy. Joy. We get joy because we choose to go after joy. We choose to say, okay, it's going to be a rough season. But it's going to do something in my life. I'm going to consider it joy because of the maturity, the growth, the discipleship that it's going to cause in me as I grow and as I develop as a follower of Jesus. doesn't mean we have to be smiling as we go. Joy and happiness are two totally different things. Happiness is situational. Joy is we choose it. And it is not based on our situation. It is not based on our circumstance. We choose joy. We choose joy. But that's what the Shepherds were in a, in a moment of. They had to decide. The angel's telling me to choose joy here. I'm, I'm, I'm still terrified. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. But then what the angel said next helps them start to at least get a glimpse of why they could take joy. Look back. The angel said, we've brought great news to, to what people? Good news that will bring great joy to who? All people. That's one of your words. All people. Remember what I told you about the shepherds? Socially outcast on the fringe of their society. The, the Jews, from a religious standpoint, didn't have anything to do with them. The rest of the cultures didn't really have anything to do with them. They were constantly in their fields just with other shepherds. So if they were going to be excluded. They were excluded from most things. But here the angels, first of all, come to them and says, not just great news, not just great news that's going to bring joy. It's good news that's going to bring great joy to all people, you included, shepherds. They were not used to being included. They were used to being excluded. So for them to hear out of this terrifying event, wait, this is for us? This isn't just an announcement that is, is good news for everybody else, but you mean this is good news for us? You mean it's going to bring great joy for me as well? The angels made a point to say all people. When it comes down to it, there are moments in our life where we just have to come to the very basics, the basics of our faith and just say, Jesus, you came for me. And everything else in my life is going wrong, but if I can just hone in on that one piece, Jesus, you came for me. You were born for me. You died for me. You rose from the, from the grave for me. You took my sins away so that I could be with you. There are moments in our life where the only joy that you can feel like you can just get your hands around is that simple truth. Jesus came for all people. When you cannot find joy in anything else, take joy in that peace. In that one significant fact, Jesus came for all people. Everything else falls apart around you. God, I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how this is going to help. God, I, I can't see anything. The angel said, good news. It's going to bring great joy to all people. And that news, as we know, is the Savior's born. So no matter what happens in, in your life this holiday season and through the rest of your life, Take joy in that one word, all. 
He came for every single one of us. So the shepherds were terrified, yet there is going to be joy that came out of something terrifying, especially how James walks it through. It produces growth, produces maturity and completeness in him. But if you can't see it, if you can't find it, then hold on to the one fact that he came for us all. Verse 11, go through the next part of the story here. The angel continues and says, yes, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, and here's another terrifying part. They've already had one suddenly moment. Here's the second one. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Now they were absolutely terrified. And again, Luke doesn't tell us what they said here. They were suddenly joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this what? Thing, that's your third word. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I'm, I'm saying, many of you know, I work out of Panera Bread, and so I'm studying early this week, and, and I'm, I'm reading through this passage time and time again, and a lot of my prayer when I study scriptures, God, what do you want to point out to me? What's something new? What's something fresh? We talked last week, God, your word is alive, active, and powerful, so, so make that real in my life. And I got to this part, and I've got, you got to imagine the scene here. Imagine you walking to Panera, seeing a guy like me sitting down with headphones on and just laughing at his computer. That's what was happening. Because I get to this part, imagine, rough, tough cowboy guys, and here's what they said when the angels went back to heaven. Heaven, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened. Is that, now I'm just, if, if I were to say, hey, guys, guess what? We had a baby. How many of you would say, let's go see this thing that happened to Brian and Becky? <laughs> I was crying. I mean, that is an odd statement. Let's go see this thing that's happened. If you were to go back to Matthew, which Matthew talks about the, the, the Magi, if you were to go, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read this for you. So if you were to see, we talked about it last week, the Magi, when they got to Jerusalem, listen to how they talked, right? It says here that uh, they started asking everybody in Jerusalem, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. Listen to how the Magi talked about this event, about Jesus' birth. Where is this one, the king of the Jews? We saw his star. The shepherds, on the other hand, said, well, let's go see this thing that happened. Two totally different, not just types of people, two different educational level, levels, two different understandings. See, the Magi understood this was the Messiah. They knew some of the prophecies of the Old Testament. They saw the star, the event that happened in heaven, and they put two and two together and recognized this was the Messiah, the chosen one. The prophecies are now true. The, the shepherds, on the other hand, didn't most likely have a clue on any of that. Understand, the Magi got a star and a prophecy a thousand miles away. Remember, they were from Persia, about a thousand miles from Bethlehem and Jerusalem area. The shepherds were how close? It says that they were in a field nearby, right? They were super close, and the angels had to spell it out. Look at the sun. Remember, Magi got a star that they had to kind of figure out through the prophecies and everything. However, the, the shepherds, here was their sign, Scripture says. Here's, you will recognize him by this sun. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I would say you can't get any more dumbed down than that. Would you agree? The angels are thinking, okay, we can't leave anything to chance. Tell them exactly where Jesus is at. Bethlehem, manger, strips of cloth, baby. I think they can figure that part out. And what's incredible is, is God chose these guys to tell them about Jesus. As far as scripture goes, they're the first ones that they find out. 
And they responded, let's just go see this thing. Now, the next part of their response, let's go see this thing that has happened. I love that. <laughs> let's go see this thing. Not, not Messiah. I can't get over it. Not Messiah. Not Jesus. Not, not prophecy. Not king. Thing. <laughs> let's see this thing that is. Don't call my baby a thing, please. <laughs> let's go see this thing that has happened. Then the second part which the Lord has told us about. Now, go back to the earlier translations. It's better translated, uh, not just let's go see this thing that had happened, but the last part of that would have been better translated that the Lord has made known to us, that the Lord has made known to us. What I love about that line that the shepherds say is understand in its simplest form, the shepherds did not know about Jesus. God told them in very specific detail about the Savior, the Messiah. He's born today in the city of Bethlehem, or in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus was unknown. God told them he was now known to them. And it started with a terrifying event. Wrap your minds around this if you can. A terrifying event, a fearful event, an anxious event in your life may lead to making Jesus more known to you. What began as a terrifying event for the shepherds led to Jesus being made known to them. They said, we didn't know about him until now. Let's go see this thing that we had no idea even existed. Let's go see this thing that we didn't have a clue about until God told us just now. That the Lord has made known to us. Thing, it's your third word. We struggle when we don't know it all. And it's hard to have joy when we are missing a lot of the pieces of the puzzle, when we can't see too far ahead, shepherds really knew nothing. They were very clueless. Yet they said, well, we, we know something. And look at what they did next. Once they got their head wrapped around this thing that had happened, verse 16, they what? To the village? They hurried. It's your fourth word. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Your fourth word there is hurried. Yes, they didn't know a lot. They were relatively clueless to a lot of aspects of Jesus and his birth and the prophecy. But God told them, hey, he's here. Here's where he's at. Here's how you can find him. And the shepherds, again, rough, tough, cowboy-like guys could have easily said, well, that was weird. All right, back to being a shepherd. They could have easily dismissed it. Said, we definitely drank too much tonight. That's exactly, they could have gone that direction. But no, they said, let's go see this thing. And they hurried. They followed the angel's instructions and they hurried. So often because of our lack of knowledge, our lack of information, sometimes even our lack of faith, we don't hurry towards Jesus. We're just like, well, let me get a little bit more information and, and I'll mosey on over. Let me, let me see What's going to happen for us? God, I, I need a sign. We say, God, if you'll, if you'll make it clear, open doors and shut doors. And, and if, you, if you push me, if you drag me, then I'll go. Here are the shepherds, folks that, that should not have hurried to see Jesus, were the ones that hurried to see Jesus. It says they hurried to the village. They stopped what they were doing, laid everything, and said, sheep, you'll be fine. And they took off. They hurried. So often our joy gets stolen because of our waiting. Now, yes, there is this fine line between when we go and when we stay and how we, sure, cover that in prayer. But when God speaks to your heart, when he speaks through his word to us, man, we are to hurry towards him. Even if we don't have the full picture, 
If we've got enough to move on, then let's move. And sometimes our stubbornness, well, God, if you don't drag me, then I'm, not, I'm staying put. I'm fine right here. This is what I know. I'm comfortable. They hurried. And we find joy sometimes by actually seeking it down. The shepherds were used to hunting thing down, things down. We saw that. They go after lions and bears and all sorts of things. They're used to chasing after things by protecting. And so here's a great way for them to hurry after joy. Good news, great joy for all people, but it required them to go after it. Joy doesn't just land in your laps, church. We got to seek it out. We got to look for it. We got to find it. And the longer we take, the harder it is. Hurry after Jesus. Hurry after the one who brings us great joy. Now look what they did after this. Here's your fifth word. It says, after seeing him, the shepherds, what's your word? Told. And who'd they tell? Everyone. They told everyone. Remember who the shepherds were. Those were the guys that nobody probably listened to. Because yes, we've heard the same story. We know you killed the bear. We've heard it. It was cool the first few times. They've told the same stories over and over again. They tell the same campfire stories over and over again. They're probably not in certain circles in that area because of who they were socially and culturally. But here, they see this event and it started out terrifying and now it's brought them great joy. And the one response that they could have at this point was just to tell everybody. They told everyone. Look exactly what they told everyone. They told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. They finally got to child instead of thing. They worked that part out. So they finally were able to tell everybody, here's what happens. Here's what we saw. Here's, here's what we, we experienced. And we all have a story. And when we experience joy like this, the joy of meeting Jesus, our first response is exactly like the shepherds. Man, we got to tell somebody. You won't believe what happened. You won't believe what I've learned. You won't believe what I saw. You won't believe it. And we tell everyone. We all have a story. And we've shared this before. I've talked about this. We all have a story, and it really is in, in three parts. I was, then Jesus, now I am. The shepherd's story. Well, I was being a shepherd in my field. Then Jesus. Then the angels told me about this thing that had happened, and I went and saw it. And now I'm forever changed. I've seen the Messiah. I've seen this child. What's your story? Are you, are you telling the story? And if not, my, my, my question would be more of, where's the joy coming from meeting Jesus? Remember, if you don't have any joy, if you can't see joy from anything else, come back to that word all, that he came for you. There's joy in that, and that's the joy that we can share with others. They told everyone what they had seen and what had happened. Your very last word. What's the last word I had you write down? Returned. You get one thing. Here's what I want you to take away today. Verse 20, the last part of the story of the shepherds meeting Jesus. It says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Here's the biggest thing that I, I see when I, I look at the story of the shepherds meeting Jesus and, and the terrifying moment with the angel and all that they'd seen, all that they experienced. For me, this is the biggest part because it's the hardest one for me personally to swallow. The shepherds, like I said, outcasts socially, culturally, religiously. They're the ones that God chose to send an army of angels to tell about Jesus to. And they hurried off and they see the Messiah when nobody else had probably seen him yet. It says that they returned. They went back to their what? Where did they go back to? They went back to being a shepherd. And the reason I, that's kind of hard for me to swallow is because we have these grand visions of what happens when we meet Jesus. 
we, we hope and pray and expect that everything would change. But here, the shepherd's job didn't change. They went back to their flocks. They went back to the fields. We like our, our reputation to change. We, we want, well, I'm, man, you're not just a shepherd anymore. Oh, you're like a super shepherd because of what the angels told you. We want a pay increase. We want a situation change. But here, nothing changed situationally or circumstantially for the shepherds. Nothing changed. They were told about Jesus. They went and saw Jesus, and then they went back to being a shepherd. They were still shepherds making the same thing, still being viewed probably about the same way. Nothing changed for the shepherds except internally they met Jesus. And the only thing that we see that possibly changed was when it says they went back to their flocks, they returned, but this time glorifying and praising God for all that they'd seen and heard. What that does for me is no, no matter what I go through in my life, I'm going to have to step back into that. Sometimes church, this environment on a Sunday morning, it's like a break. It's a timeout from all the junk and garbage we deal with throughout the week. And it's difficult leaving this environment and stepping back into family life. It's difficult to step back into jobs and stepping back into difficult situations and very hard, terrifying circumstances. The difference isn't necessarily that all of that stuff out there is changed. The difference is how we walk back into it. The shepherds walked back in. They returned to their former life, but this time glorifying and praising God for what they had seen and heard. My, my biggest prayer for you this holiday season in regards to the shepherds and joy is not necessarily that all your, your problems will be fixed and your complaints be heard and that everything is just perfect, but it's that you can walk into, you can go back to whatever situation in any circumstance glorifying and praising God, finding joy in areas that most cannot seek or find joy. So here's what I'm going to help you do. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little acronym that's going to help you think through joy this holiday season. J-O-Y. Thank goodness that we didn't do this for like peace or something, right? You can thank me later. So here's joy. And what joy really does is it adjusts our priorities. The shepherds, we see an interesting change of priorities, right? Most of us are priorities, especially holiday season. Yes, it's about giving, but it, it's really about us. We want to make sure things go off without a hitch, and we want to make sure that everybody gets along. It, it tends to be about us. But joy changes our priorities. And here's how we see that played out. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and then yourself. Jesus, others, and yourself. When we line up our priorities in that way, that's where we really can find joy. The reverse happens when, when our joy is taken away, when we can't find joy. It's because we're putting ourselves first. We're worried about us. We're worried about me. We're trying to get what I want, what I think I need. And then others and Jesus become secondary and, and, and third down the line. When Jesus comes first, it's all about glorifying and praising him. And we can do that in any and any, any and every situation. Then we look at others. Well, how can this be helpful for others? Remember what they do? They told everyone. They told everyone. And when I say that yourself, when we are the last priority, that doesn't mean you don't matter. Remember, Jesus came for all people. But what that means is it's not about necessarily what I want or what I'm going to get. It's not about my situation. It's about glorifying Jesus. It's the process by which I grow to choose joy, like James talks about, because that's glorifying to God. Let me put it in this way. Let me ask you two questions. I'm sure we all have complaints regarding the holidays already, and we're still not quite there. If all of your complaints were fixed, would Jesus be more glorified? 
If all of your complaints, all of your problems were fixed the way you would want and maybe pray them to be fixed, would that bring glory to Jesus? If all of your complaints and all of your problems were fixed, would that be helpful for others? The reality is we complain because it's about us most of the time. So let our joy change our priorities. Jesus, others, and then yourself. And no matter what you're stepping back into, no matter what you're stepping back into, may we do exactly what the shepherds did. The shepherds went back. They returned to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. That'd be my prayer. So you have six words. I'd encourage you, maybe put them on a fridge, put them in your phone. Let those be a reminder because each of those six are ways to find, keep, and hold on to joy. Those terrifying situations, joy can come out of those because it produces perseverance and it allows us to endure and it makes us complete and mature. It's a growth process for us that we get into. So whatever's terrifying you, look for joy in it. All, when you can't see the joy in all of these difficulties around us, take joy in the fact that Jesus came for all people. Good news to bring great joy for all people. You and me, he came for us. If you can only hang on to one piece of joy this Christmas, that's the joy to hang on to. Thing, there's a lot of unknowns out there. And it's difficult to have joy when there's a lot of unknowns, but the shepherds were able to. Let's go see this thing that had happened, that, that God has made known to us. God reveals a lot, but there's a lot that's not revealed. And so we have to take joy and seek and move based on what we do know and seek after him. That's hurried. We move on what we know. We move on what we are aware of. We move on what scripture tells us. And many times we have to seek after joy. Instead of sitting back saying, okay, God, bring me some joy. I'm ready when you are. We say, I'm going to chase after it. I'm going to hurry after it. Told, we tell people the joy we have. Some of the greatest joy you will get is telling other people about the joy you have. Tell other people about what Jesus has done in your life. And see, remember their, their reactions when they told everyone? What was everyone's response to the shepherd's story? Remember that word? They were astonished, scripture said. They couldn't believe it. They were amazed. They were wowed. And the joy we get from seeing others be astonished because of Jesus writing our story brings joy right back to us. And lastly, find joy in what you go back to. Don't always expect your situation to just be changed the moment you see Jesus. We find joy in what he's done in our lives, not what he fixes around us. So when you go back to the fields tonight, tomorrow morning, rest of this week, return praising and glorifying God for all that you've seen him do in your own life and throughout scripture. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for, for coming for us. And Jesus, we'll confess it is a joyful time, but we have a very difficult time with joy this season. We sing about joy, we, we, we talk a lot about joy, and we recognize, yes, it's a joyful time, but the reality is it is difficult hanging on to joy and chasing after joy and feeling joy and choosing joy. But allow the shepherd's story to just penetrate our hearts and to change how we see things. Help us to see the joy that is truly in front of us. I pray that your spirit would, would move us in the areas that we need to, to be moved in and challenged in, convicted in, Bring, bring the joy in front of us and, and allow us to then chase after it wholeheartedly. God, whatever situations we find ourselves in, and, and there's a lot of difficult and terrifying situations that we are gonna have to walk back into. Help us to return praising you.
and glorifying you, not because the situation is fixed, but glorifying and praising you because of what you have done in our own life. In Jesus' name, amen.